My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most, because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that I give them in a shady, but every time I do, my family thinks I'm crazy. The hollow earth, UFOs, aliens invading, fluoride in the water, they spray our skies daily. When I talk about these things, they think I'm crazy. There's no escaping anymore, the evil that we're facing. Illuminati mind control, they're sacrificing babies. The end of days, but anyways, my family thinks I'm crazy. What, they don't want to listen to you? No, they don't want to listen. They don't want to hear it. They're just like, oh, here we go, Mark. Off again with your... Mark being Mark again. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, that's the thing about podcasts is when you're on the air, it's like therapy, you know, if I can't talk to my family about this stuff, I'll talk to you, Matt, and all our listeners. You know, just tell your whole podcast. Yeah, so who are we talking about today, Matt? Interconnected information age and the surveillance state are one in the same. And when you, the person, on your state ID, license, or passport, realize that that is not you, but an artificial stand-in designed to coerce you into unknowingly forfeit our God-given sovereignty, you may also start to question what all this is really about. And while Bitcoin and blockchain are being touted as a liberation from fiat currency, many have become skeptical that the banksters have planned all this decades ago. And today's guest has come to that conclusion after spending many years trading and researching cryptocurrency. Author Paul Bruno joins me, Mystic Mark, here on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy this conversation with Paul Bruno. Well, I got a piece of this Fabergé egg and they use it to fund their retirement funds thinking they could sell it down the line later like an NFT. Wow. And they're going to use it for them. And then they'll keep custodianship within the trust, you know, maybe 55%. So nobody can ever claim enough to take possession of it. So they'll never own it because they don't own it anyways. Then they'll get all this fresh liquidity so they can go out and buy all this new shit with our money. So that they won't want anything, but they'll still be fucking happy because they'll still be living off of our fucking, our buying into their bullshit. I, I could see that happening. That's a brilliant, because people <laughs> want to have that piece of luxury. Evil genius, right? It is evil genius. <laughs> because all markets are manipulated. It's... Um, Again, I feel so I feel so so uh, deceived because I thought I was working in a capitalist market with a free market, and I thought my whatever I did was based on on sound reasoning and analysis. And I had at the end of the day, it's all manipulated. You won't have to be rich with CBDC. You'll have all you need with central currency. We just take your extra wealth and your. And you can walk 500 steps, but not a single step more until the curfew activates and robot cops rent at your door. Just a small town boy drinking, genetically modified soy. 
Jesus ensures he doesn't co-create. Please stop. Here we are. On the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast, welcome to the show, folks. Uh, and with me today are two very special people. Shout out to my friend Rob, who's going to be joining me for the first time as a co-host here on the show. And uh, our guest, who comes by way of the Patreon, he's a supporter of this show, and he's also an author who's written a book about a topic that I admit I don't know nearly enough about. So I, I kind of dispatched Rob to, to help as an expert uh, witness in some sense. But yeah, Rob, uh, pleasure to have you here. And without further ado, Paul, welcome to the show, brother. Uh, introduce yourself. I don't know if Paul is even how you want to be introduced, but tell us uh, who you are and, and uh, a little bit about what compelled you to write a book about cryptocurrency. Yeah, Um my name is, uh, you can go by Paul. Uh, my real name's Paul Bruno. Uh, obvious. So, uh, excuse me. So during the uh, lockdowns, what happened is I was, uh, I had two retail stores and I had really nothing to do. Uh, I recently got involved with uh, cryptocurrency and uh, put a decent amount of money in it. And by doing that, I really uh, went down the rabbit hole. And when I kind of go down something, uh, just go right to the bottom really fast. And one thing I did is I figured out how to break it down really easy to people. So it wasn't really like, how do you become rich yesterday? It's more, how does this technology work for you in your life? And how can you make micro payments off that technology? So I called it WTF is Bitcoin. So I kind of tried to have a little bit of fun with it rather than coming off as an expert just like a guy talking to you at the bar. I love that approach, and I, I love the pitch, too. When you, you said that on our Patreon meetup, uh, I was like, oh, this sounds like something we should get into on the podcast, and I am <laughs> your audience, your desired target audience. I'm the guy who's like, what the fuck is Bitcoin? So, uh, and, you know, Rob here, you know, me and him, we talk about all kinds of stuff. We uh, we work together, and or I work with him uh, in the physical world. And, uh, yeah, one thing that Rob's always kind of instilled in me is like uh, – Gold, silver, those sorts of currencies are much more uh, reliable than even cash, right? But obviously cash is still preferred in some sense over cryptocurrency, right? That's kind of the mindset I come from. Is there is there something that you think maybe as a... Uh, consumer in the market I'm missing by not engaging with cryptocurrency? Like what are the, what are the main, uh, I don't know, reasons why someone like me who basically is, you know, maybe, I don't know, two, 3% of my finances interact with crypto, right? I get some money from crypto because of the podcast, but it's a really small margin. You know, what, what should I, why should I consider investing in crypto? So if you would have talked to me six months ago, I'd have given you a much different answer. So I'll, I could give you two answers. Um, the one where that would compel you to 
invest in crypto. Now, you would want to have this in a self-custody wallet, first of all. Now you buy it on an exchange like Coinbase or something like that. Um, and in the end, you don't want to leave it there because you could always be liquidated and it can disappear. Uh, what gives it its value is its scarcity. Now, there are 21 million Bitcoin ever. And uh, I, I believe, what was it, 10% are lost forever uh because like when bitcoin started they'd hand out qr codes at gaming conventions and uh people would just toss them you know like 10 bitcoin just toss in the trash when it was you know worth nothing and uh so because there's scarcity it's sort of like digital gold where um at a point uh there will be none left to mine so really the value is in its scarcity now where you see things like you know, there's a million other tokens and they sort of break down into, you know, two categories. You have smart contracts, which is like Ethereum or Cardano um, and everything else that's run off of those uh, smart contract platforms. So if you're familiar with like WordPress, um, WordPress is used to build websites and you can kind of customize anything you want. Uh, think of that with a smart contract platform like Ethereum, where you can build a game off it or you can build banking uh, software or anything uh, that you could imagine um, with blockchain. So they break down it into a few categories. So, you know, what you want to do is you want to look at um, a block, a, uh, a smart contract platform that you think, you know, is going to be your winner. Uh, Ethereum is uh, pretty much predicted a, a winner by everyone. And that's just because it's being used institutionally uh, from what I gather. And, uh, you know, it's, it's the most secure. Uh, so they say, and uh, I think a clear, you know, winner in that category long run, it'll be like your IBM blue chip type, you know, token. Um, now you, there are things that nothing really has popped through, um, outside of that because there has to be mass adoption, which there really hasn't been anything. Um, there are things gathering traction where like government entities are using it, uh, like Bitcoin for collect payment collection, you know, Tesla was, uh, but more of it's just a gimmick. No one's actually using it. There's a few products. Uh, there's actually one I wrote about, uh, it's called the Swiss key. Um, I don't know if it's still around. I haven't checked, but, uh, it's essentially a, a card where you could send uh, crypto to, and you, it would convert into cash instantly. And there's other programs like that where, you know, um, you could use uh, a debit card with Ethereum. Pick you want to purchase with Ethereum with your gas and it will take directly from that account. So you can use it realistically. No one wants to because of the speculation. Um, unless I there's. Oh, I, really? card. I had a BitPay card. Okay. And, and what, what it did is it would take your Bitcoin it would convert it to cash and then use the cash at the store via MasterCard. It's not using Bitcoin. Well, you those, they're not using Bitcoin for the transaction. They're just going to the exchange and converting it. And then you're holding it on your wallet on that exchange on that. Basically your debit card becomes a wallet with two, two entities, your crypto and your, in your U S currency. And it just swaps in between 
when they make the transactions. You you definitely explained it better than myself. Uh, yeah, I'm with you 100%. <laughs> I used the system, you know? No, I, I did. I used, actually, I used CoinZoom for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so when uh, Bitcoin was going up, um, I was using uh, uh, funds, you know, like normal funds and then using it as I went along. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, no, it, I wasn't criticizing you. I was just making that I had the, the uh, entity and used it and it works, but exactly how it works, it needs to be explained better. So everyone understands when you're using those cards, it's not the Bitcoin that's being used. You're still using the dollar. Right. Yeah. As far as uh, the person's concerned now, though, you know, at that moment, let me ask you this. Isn't that closer to the initial intention of the dollar or of, of like, uh, gold-backed currency, you know, not maybe specifically the U.S. dollar because there had been gold-backed currencies before that, but uh, but isn't that kind of a closer, maybe a more idealistic version of that where the cryptocurrency, as you said, is the, um, you know, the basically simulation gold, right? It's simulated it's gold. It's the marker in the ledger. Like right. when you go to the casino and you get a rack of $10,000 in chips, they call it a marker. It's $10,000 you're playing with, but it's casino chips. It's just a marker in the ledger, in the, 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 the books. It's just for accounting purposes. It's just tracking some, it's using something else to track something else. It's just a tracking mechanism. It's hmm. a receipt. What do you think, Paul? Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, the, he explained it technically more sound than I did. No, I mean, yeah. That's yeah, why. So I, 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 I got nothing to add under that. Um, you're not, you're not wrong. I'm sorry if I. Got no, that's snubbed. why we're all here. I mean, Rob, you, you, you're, uh, you know what you're talking about, which is why I asked you to be here. But I guess my thought is, you know, as I hear, um, I, I think you called it the IBM blue chip. Yep. I hear these technologies moving closer and closer to the space of uh, totalitarian corporate, you know, corporatocracy sort of has more of that flair when initially these things are developed seemingly by people who have altruistic motives that maybe even liberty oriented values, um, do you think that's still the case now that there's so much heat around Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies? Do you think that the the you know old school market is going to adopt cryptocurrency and and I mean what are the implications of that? Right? I mean this is I think this is a big fear when people you, you mentioned, you know, people have a hard time adopting this new cryptocurrency. Do you think that that factors in that people have this sense of like you know, we're moving into um, a new world that <laughs> comes with some new dangers and new consequences, right? Do you think that that's a, a part of this um, overall conversation? Well, there's two different ways to look at it. One is the blockchain technology. Now, you can use the blockchain technology to actually make yourself sensor proof. Um, there's a platform called Odyssey uh, that if you put your video on it, it, it cannot be censored, deleted. It's in the blockchain forever unless every, unless the whole thing disappears. 
Um, and so one of the, uh, other ones that I don't know if it'll ever take off, but I hope so it's called, uh, Everypedia. So it's a Wikipedia, uh, and where mm. you put in a, uh, a wiki and then it's voted up or down. If you write a correct wiki, you make their IQ token, or I, I believe it might've changed, but uh, you make their token. And then if you vote up or down with your tokens, you win tokens for being correct. So essentially what it's doing is it's going to crowdsource correct information. If it ever reaches, it reaches mass adoption. So because re- go ahead. I love that you brought this up and maybe this will steer us into maybe a, a different aspect of this conversation. I, I want to go there and maybe return to cryptocurrency, but Every wiki, I'm. this is my first time hearing about this. I'm a complete nerd when it comes to Wikipedia. I've been using it as long as I've been using the internet. And I've always, like when I was a student, I interacted with Wikipedia in this way. Our teachers told us, don't use Wikipedia. So as a young rebellious kid, I was like, fuck that. I'm only using Wikipedia. Why are they telling me not to use Wikipedia? Like, what's the big deal? So I, I'm, I'm someone who initially didn't have any, like, uh, suspicion of Wikipedia. Nowadays, it's pretty obvious that Wikipedia is being used to censor certain aspects of uh, truth and information that was once available on the Internet. There's even a whole group of people who call themselves the, the secret cabal on Facebook. I learned this recently thanks to a uh, Klaus Substack article. And they, yeah, these people, they consider themselves like information gorillas, and they're specifically targeting the ufology community at this point in time. But they, you know, they're atheists. So they, they you know, they go after homeopathy, they go after uh, any version of spirituality that, you know, they don't agree with, which is all of it, right? Because they're, they're atheists. And I wonder if this every wiki project is, uh, Again, as altruistic as these things start out, I mean, if if people are going to be rewarded for consensus, uh, you know, thinking where it's not about the truth, it's about what the consensus is, I think that's pretty dangerous. I mean, what do you think, Paul? Is there a way that the blockchain can, like, actually verify truth? I mean, is popula- is the populist vote a real mark of truth? So if, if you're looking um, at, you know, I haven't poked around at this site in a while, uh, but if you have like, you know, 10 votes, 100 votes, it really, it's meaningless. Uh, but if you're getting 100,000 votes and people are actually putting their real money with their vote and you have seven days, uh, I believe it was, to vote on any topic and there was a way to, um, I believe, just get out uh, spam. Uh, essentially like it would market um, really quickly. So that's where the mass adoption piece comes in where nothing has reached that. So, well, Odyssey works, you know, your videos on there, it's never getting deleted. It's getting you as a content creator, SEO. Um, that That's great. Uh, but every PDF, if it ever catches, it's, it's years down the line. Mm, okay. Well, so, uh- and I guess there does it does kind of uh, change the game a bit when you have to put your money down because I, I could say for sure that a lot of these uh, social justice warriors and atheist censorship warriors they're they're not 
investing their dollar into that kind of effort. They, you know, they're doing it for the uh, social perks that come along with being in, you know, uh, the sheep think tank. <laughs> exactly. And so because there's only so few people and, you know, they're able to create armies visually uh, to take something over if it reached mass adoption would cost so much money. Wow. Well, that, that kind of, I, I mean, it, that does give me a little bit of hope. I don't know. Rob, what do you think about this? Any thoughts on the EverWiki? Where does the money value derive from this EverWiki token? Like, what are you basing the value on it from? The uh, like, you're basing it on the dollar or, you know, the euro. Or, well, it's all like, supply and demand. You know how the exchanges are. Yeah, that, that doesn't work for me. I, I, no, that's I, fair. I've been involved in this since 2012. That I've come to the conclusion it's still a fiat because everyone's basing the value of a Bitcoin on a dollar. Yeah, so that's if fair. the dollar goes away, what's the what, what can you really buy with a Bitcoin? You know what I mean? No, <laughs> in all honesty, I've, I've sort of switched the way I look at things in the last year or six months. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've... I've kind of come to a different conclusion um, where what I was going to give you the second answer a little bit later. Okay. Uh, so, no, no, again, you're good. That's fine. <laughs> so, we respect so, the art of the presentation if you want to keep it close to the chest. Uh, but, you no, know, we, I, I just, uh, as, as you asked the question, I sort of formulated my answer. Go for uh, it. But anyway, so there, there's the, the, the blockchain side, um, which is great. But, you know, people think as far as like using it as a currency or, you know, a value that way. Um, people think that Bitcoin's anonymous. And one of the things I always said, what makes Bitcoin great is I can see that $10 went from me to you, but I don't know who you and me are necessarily. Um, so it's not anonymous. There is, There are ways to feasibly make it anonymous, uh, but in all reality, there's so much data out there. When you get it out at the end, government through their aggregators are going to be able to figure out who you are. So there's really no anonymity. Even if you use like Monero and there's one called pirate chain. Um, But then in the end, yeah, if they want to find you, they're going to find you. They're going to get your money. Uh, If if you're, if you're on this system, it's the offering. Exactly. They get you, you go buy a car, you go buy a TV, you know, you register the warranty, you know, all that shit. Right. To be truly anonymous, you'd have to use cash at like the Bitcoin cash ATM machines and completely never screw up and never put anything under your name because the first time you do, you're You're done. (laughs) Well, and I I mean, it does seem like this is why so much emphasis is being put on data as a commodity obviously human data and personal private data are um, what's most speculated about and probably most valuable but when you see things like this uh, I forget what it's called but you're essentially buying um, real estate in a virtual reality version of earth didn't we talk about this on that exact patreon meetup mm-hmm. right we, we mentioned that it seems like that's kind of the the push that's being made is to digify or datify everything and if that's the case i mean wouldn't that 
lead to a more of a barter style of economy where something like, uh, you know, a physical item could be valued in a way that, you know, you could trade it and it will have a sort of uh, universal trading value. Does that make sense? Yes. To me. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I just don't, I honestly, at this time, I don't own much of any crypto at all because I all, in the end, I see there to be able to use it, they're going to force you into the system that they're making right now. <laughs> and I don't want to be part of that system. This is what we want to be talking about, Paul. Thank you, brother. <laughs> so, okay, cool. I just felt like a little, back for a second? little bit of relief. Yes, yes. Um, I can make a case that every single one of these companies selling your data is human trafficking because they're profiting off of your intellectual data, selling it to other companies, profiting from it and not giving you the money. Well, and in this legal system, in this legal system, when your, 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 uh, you know, identity is actually a piece of paper, it is a piece of intellectual property. It's not actually your physical body. It's the social security card and the agreement of your signature and your compliance, right? I mean, that's... If you don't comprehend anything in a contract, you can't be held to the contract because you're retarded. That's long. <laughs> well, and, and you know, help, help, you know, reverse engineer that statement for us, Rob, because it's it's funny to, to those who get it. But uh, but I, I I feel like there's a really important statement that we're dancing around. You, you can't agree to terms of a contract that you don't comprehend. Right. So if someone says you signed a contract, it doesn't matter. If you don't understand the terms of the contract, they can't hold you to that because you don't have the capacity to agree to it because you don't know the definitions of the words. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, but you have to have a really good lawyer for that. Beg your pardon? You'd have to have a really good lawyer for that. No, you have to have a judge that would fucking honor his goddamn oath. Fair. Well, but, and- uh, Go ahead, Paul. So, yeah, I uh, because of the way everything has gone, and now and I, I look at the way. Now I came into this at in 2020, uh, so I'm not you know from 2012. So I, I kind of looked at it where you know my my friend uh, who told me about Bitcoin and in you know 2010 or 2012, I sh- sort of shrugged him off, and he does does very well for himself. And then I noticed a little too late, but. Uh, as I started seeing who some of the uh, people who are so some of the content creators, um, the backgrounds don't make sense with some of them. Um, I know uh, that, uh, you know, I heard, I think this was on uh, Whitney Webb's show, but uh, like Charles Hodgkins is, uh, you know, connected with uh, secret societies and he's working on like a, a voting uh you know, a blockchain uh, for voting in Africa. So, you know, thinking how nothing happens on accident, you know, we really, they really did a good job of uh, tricking people into the value of Bitcoin because with all the gold gone, uh, you know, as uh, it was being excoriated by like Jamie Dimon in 2017 saying, if anyone in my company buys Bitcoin, I'm going to fire him. Well, he was buying (laughs) as much as he could. 
So, you know, they were, they, they're doing a lot of this stuff as, you know, at points when they're selling it, they're talking it up. And at points when they're, you know, saying it's doomed forever, you know, that's when they're just buying as much as they can. Mm-hmm. So really, I think uh, it's been a ploy the whole time. And uh, yeah, it, it was, a, it, it's sort of a really good psyop. You know, you, you get the rebels enticed who, you know, buck the system and they make a lot mm-hmm. of money. So then all the people who are responsible, they start seeing it. And then those are the people who buy and sell at the wrong times and just get fleeced for all their money. Wow. That's why I got out in 2017. Wow. Well, and, and it's, it's, yeah, it's this uh, next generation of, I'm sure, what they were already doing on Wall Street, what they were already doing, you know, in these uh, private sector groups, right? I mean, this is what the, the hustle is for these banksters. But it's completely different because like, okay, you know, uh, when uh, FTX, you know, lost all their money, Mm -hmm. uh, it just disappeared. Well, actually, we just uh, got there's one called Celsius that had a similar issue. And (laughs) people had their payouts. Sam knows a lot about Celsius, our buddy Sam Tripoli. Yeah. Okay. When Mel Gox was happening, I remember that. Right. And so exchange that went down. And it was those people, those people had, they're getting paid like $420 when they should have been getting paid millions. And this is where you get fucked every time and why it's just a big game. Cause Celsius, they paid 70% of um, what they had to, but they had to pay 70% of whatever day a certain legal filing was made. So if like Bitcoin is worth, 20,000 on that day or 22,000 mm-hmm. will they pay out today or you know we are, we're all waiting for our celsius to hit venmore paypal um we're, we're gonna get 70 percent of that half valuation so when they say they paid 70 percent, they actually only paid 35 percent to stay afloat as a company wow. right so and that's why it's going to keep happening um until, until it becomes completely institutionalized and uh yeah, at that time, you'll be on the system of uh, uh, central bank digital currencies. Right. That's why gold and silver are the best thing outside of this system in your fucking hand. Mm. They can't track it. They can't trace it. I'm not saying to do illegal things with it, but like, you know, if I want to give Mark $200, I could just give him ten, a tenth of an ounce of gold. Right, and he can just put it in his fucking pocket, and you know what it says? It says five dollars U.S. currency. So he doesn't have two hundred dollars in his pocket. He's got five dollars in his pocket. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm a real big on silver right now, because this is the second year in a row that uh, more is being used than mined, and it's still staying at twenty two and a half, or twenty two dollars and fifty cents. It's like historic lows, and we're using more than we mine. So that's almost okay. impossible. Yeah, no, I, the, dyna- the, the dynamics are off. It comes out of the ground seven to one, and it's trading at like 80, 85, 88 to one. Like, and they use it. And every time they light off a scud, uh, not a scud missile, a cruise missile, they blow up 500 ounces of silver. Every cruise missile that they light off in the Middle East. Right. How many cruise missiles did they light off? And you're never going to recover that, that metal. Never. It just disintegrates. 
Well, and that's the that's the big magic and deception with all of this. I mean, you look at some of the, the wealthiest people in the world, and they're the ones who have control over these mines, right? I mean, it's it's pretty obvious what's going on there. Oh yeah, but it's a. It, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, it, it does it does venture a step away from the cryptocurrency in the sense that. I mean, the science isn't fully understood. We may be living on an earth that produces gold and silver, and they're just not telling us that the earth creates it, right? I mean, it, there's there's a conversation that I've had on the show before that certain rivers will create gold and they have certain alchemy about the different minerals that are being combined and swirled together in the sunlight and so yeah, the vibration coming up through the ground, the cymatics coming through the ground, the resonance. Right, right. Well, and the goal is to convince us that there's none left, so right. that we we don't go looking for it, and we just use the the digital currencies that have our expiration date on them. Right. Well, yeah. what I like about the digital currencies is you could actually use them to track and and hold real tangible items to use them in a currency application as a trade mechanism. Like That's a what, COA or something? Yeah. And even like a smart contract. Like you could you could put whatever terms you want for settlement within the smart contract. Like you were talking about Ethereum before, right? So you got two two businesses doing business. One's in Africa or one's in Australia, right? And they're, they're doing a couple trades with it, whatever they're doing back and forth. And then there's a, a balance of money left over. They can use whatever they want as a trade settlement. It doesn't have to be Bitcoin or Litecoin. It could be, oh, we want Swiss franc in a digital form to be delivered to us at the completion of this contract. And then that way there you can bypass the SWIFT system that, that the U.S. used as a weapon to accelerate the de-dollarization of the privilege we had as the reserve currency. My only concern is, is there'd be so, okay. So if you remember uh, Solana, uh, they were hiding, what was it like 70 million tokens? Yeah. I'm not worried about exchanges. I'm talking about once you have a smart contract and you're doing that inter-business person to person, business to business, you can put whatever you want inside the smart contract. Oh yeah. Yeah. And if it doesn't get satisfied, then the other part of the term doesn't get satisfied. Until that that part is satisfied, then the other part gets satisfied. And, and so that's why. You, go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry. And I'm, that's I'm why I, I I like smart contracts, and that's kind of what attracted me to like cryptocurrency was mm -hmm. the smart contract. It was more the technology because it does work so perfectly. You cannot break the terms. Correct. Yeah. No. A hundred percent. And that's where the value lies. It's not It's not in the Bitcoin. Bitcoin is just fucking proof of concept at this point as far as I'm concerned. Well, and it kind of fits along this, you know, Trojan horse approach that we see in all these different technologies that they roll out where the actual sophisticated mechanism is being undervalued and the, you know, the scam is being overplayed. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I, I can make this is how you can you can make it work in a small community. And I I, I don't want to give accolades to people, but the bear community, if they had their own digital currency because they're all over the fucking country 
they could have their own digital currency and they could just swap products when they go around with each other. And that's how you'd have to do it is like communities like the Amish. I know they don't use fucking phones, but the Amish can have their own cryptocurrency because they already work together amongst themselves anyway, since they, it would just be a way for them to trade. So you'd basically have to Amish up your communities, if mm. you will. It doesn't mean you got to, you know, inbreed and fuck your cousin. But, <laughs> well, and I think know, this is the approach that people are taking with food. You know, it's sort of the most uh, intuitive, I guess, form of that. You could blockchain all that within your community so that you'd like it, sell the eggs and the apples and the in the cucumbers and whatnot right and like say i don't want all that shit and i want to go buy something i want to go buy something else but i can use that currency within the town or the community or the state or whatnot it, 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 you, you follow what i'm saying you can have small community you want more currencies to compete you don't want one central currency you don't want one reserve currency. you want multiple currencies that way there has to be competition and then that way there you get rid of all the fraud and all the giveaways and then you, you'll have more charity because people will have more to give I, once you have I, government doing charity it's fucked i i think as you're saying that you need to have like microcurrencies when you yeah. say like the, right right because like the only problem with any of this you can throw enough money at technology and computers and you will be able to take over any system yeah. Uh, so you can corrupt it from the inside. And uh, yeah. So if, if you were like as small as the Amish community and there were like a hundred of those, then you would be able to have like a true system like that. Right. And then each person's in node, therefore they can control, you know, not control the blockchain, but they're helping to control the blockchain because there's nobody that can overrun it with 51%. Because everybody's in node in the community. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you follow what I'm saying? Well, one hundred percent. It sounds to me like what you guys are are describing are the you know the the modern day weapons of war, where they want these digital systems being implemented all over the world. So then there are back doors for, uh, you know. Yeah, no, I don't think it would work that way. No? I think they would lose so much more control if if that oh. was to occur. That's why they want a central bank digital currency, right? Way they don't want anything else other than the dollar being the predominant unit of trade around the world. Hmm. I heard a, I heard a stat today. It's down to fifty nine percent. I mean, it used to be seventy five percent of all transactions were done in the dollar. Couple, you know, twelve years ago, fifteen years ago, well, now it's down nine percent. Yeah, well, that <clears throat> what happened at the first of the year with the BRICS currency? You know, like I just saw gas here go from. Uh, 260 last week to 320 and uh i think this is just the start uh you know for anyone who's not aware there's a gold-backed currency that is bigger than uh you uh america's uh gdp uh so their their currency is bigger and is backed by gold and ours is backed Ooh. by debt uh the breaks no they never they didn't no they didn't do that they breaks. didn't do that no they didn't do that I promise you. I, I would be jerking off right now. <laughs> okay. Well, and the price of gold would be about $85,000 an ounce because the, the U.S. couldn't cover their fucking costs. Well, well, I was just reading that like 160 countries or so are moving off the petrodollar for the BRICS. Yeah, that's they're going to use smart contracts and BRICS is going to be like, like their version of 
the U.S. Like they're all going to work together to settle any conflict resol- and be the resoluters within the disputes of any contracts that don't get settled properly. That's all they're going to do. They're just going to use smart contracts and then use whatever currencies that they can to settle trade outside the dollar, just avoiding the SWIFT system. Hmm. That, so, that's it. It's, 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 it's there. People think that there always has to be one ruler And the best way to not have any competition is to be the one. And if all these groups decide that, listen, we'll just use our own currency. We can track how much we're printing on the blockchain. You can all fucking see it. So you know who's printing too much. And then we're just going to value everything accordingly. It's just going to be exchange rates that are honest for once. (laughs) It doesn't mean that that it's going to be good. They're just going to be honest, open exchange rates that they're going to do amongst themselves, just uh, abstaining from using the dollar. The okay. dollar is is a, is a is a herpy to them. Oh yeah, and I, I, I think I may, may, may have misunderstood a lot of part of it, but uh, that was implemented on the first of the year, though, right? Yeah, but there was no gold backed bricks currency. Okay. Maybe I misunderstood something. No, there's no gold backed bricks currency. That I know. I I I would know that 100. percent Okay. Yeah, I I would trust you. I think at this point, uh, Dude, I'd know. Yeah, yeah, fair. Uh, but I think uh, you know, when with the acceleration of this, um, you know, oh, you're not wrong. About everything else. It's just that one little thing with the BRICS gold currency. That's the only thing you're wrong about. Everything oh, else you're 100% as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, uh forgot where my point was. Well, um, that's all right because, you know, I'm, I love where you guys are going. I'm still here. I'm still trying to steer the, the two of you. I love the conversation that's going on, but I want to, I want to go back. I want to focus on something that you both sort of mentioned with, you know, what you both said. And, uh, it's something that I think is a big psyop here in the States. This notion that, um, you know, the central banks are somehow our friends and that's kind of stirred up with like this nationalistic instinct of like, oh, well, you know, having this currency and all the world using our currency is a good thing. Where am I right or wrong? Like what, how, how do you guys see that? Like, what, is that a part of the, you know, control system having everybody under that U.S. dollar? And is the fact that the U.S. dollar is losing traction? Do you think that's like a, a good thing from a, a global human liber, liberation perspective? I mean, it's definitely a good thing uh, for the dollar to go away uh, as fast for as whom? possible. For whom? Uh, well, I mean, it's just because it's such a... I, I think I, I honestly think uh, the uh, fractional banking system is teetering. Uh, oh, it's as a whole. thing. It's, it's slavery, a hundred percent. But it's not going to benefit Americans in any manner. Well, yeah. So uh, you know, once like uh, I was reading, uh, once we go off the dollar, uh, that's thirty percent of our value of just being traded in in petrol around the world. So yeah. like, there's definitely going to be pain, but. Uh, you know, um, 
it just it, it needs to happen because it's what's right. Yes, there's going to be pain, but I agree. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what I think is happening is uh, a lot of the people who have their crypto now, it's they're not holding it. So uh, when this this falls, um, everything's going to go away, your stocks, your crypto. And there's only going to be a few people that actually have it in self-custody. Um, and to be able to use that crypto, you're going to have to basically convert it into the, the digital currency. And uh, there's going to be tons of strings tied to it. So in the end, I do believe, you know, that's what where they're taking us. And that's what the plan was in the beginning because we got rid of all our gold decades ago. So... America, I think, is, and Rob, you might know, like the second or third biggest holder of Bitcoin. I don't know. I I don't know. I I don't know. I I I really I got out in 2017, and I really stopped um, following the hype because I just see it for what it is. I everything you described it as, you're not wrong. That's what I saw back then. So. Yeah, I st- I started listening to uh, Sam uh, in this summer, and, and I, I kind of just changed my perspective on everything. Uh, knowing how the technology got here, it's just it it's completely suckering everyone into the uh, get chipped or don't use your digital currency. So oh, I would never get chipped. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and it's I mean it's it's scary that you see it now at some grocery stores where they have the palm readers and all that. So yeah, it's Is it really. Oh, yeah. Wow. They, they have them at the self-checkout. People can put their palm up to the Amazon uh, screen and, and pay that way. I've never seen anybody use it, but I'm not usually paying attention to anyone else when I'm at self-checkout. So, um, But, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of uh, the direction I want to go in the opposite way of, and that's why I'm really grateful to be having this conversation. And maybe that patriotic impulse of like we need to go back to the gold backed uh system maybe that holds true i mean i think you need a basket of everything Mm. you know and it can't just be gold it can't just be silver it's got to be bimetallic and and any any commodity that's got value should be part of the backing of your currency and it should be convertible because if you can't convert it, what's the fucking point? Like, if I can't go to the bank and get what this thing is actually, this receipt is actually based upon, what's the point of fucking playing this fucking game with you? Well, it comes down to control and who gets access to the resources and who can who can use them. Because, I mean, if that's true, like, silicon's worth a ton, right? I'd, I'd rather have sand than dollars. I'd rather have really good mason sand than a fucking... Well, you think about all the solar panels being built. That's all polysilicon. They need, you know, whatever, wherever you you derive pure silicon from. It's probably sand or something like that. Well, they actually mix a silver paste into that silicon. Really? So they're using silver in that, too. Now, because... It goes back to what Paul was saying earlier about the mining deficits. Yeah, so they're keeping it artificially low because that electric car would cost three hundred thousand dollars, right? And we want to have a green revolution, and that's the most important thing. So, uh, I just was coincidentally listening to someone talk about this, and uh, I guess Warren Buffett was the last person to try to 
buy a lot of physical silver and he got pushed out. Uh, so really no one will let you own a lot of physical silver and uh, they're keeping it artificially low as long as they possibly can. Wow. Wow. I know. I mean, we don't need to get too far in a weird science, but alchemy is something that my friend Juan and I talk about a ton on our show that we do together on Patreon. You guys might have listened to it, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility to transmute these things under the right circumstances. I mean, we, we see that in chemistry, people can create, you know, uh, so-called synthetic, uh, you know, alternatives to all sorts of things. Right. So, uh, obviously Speaking of alchemy. Yes. They use all these silver things called calutrons to make the, the, uh, Enrich the uranium for the bomb that they dropped on Japan. Okay. And uh, what was that? In the 40s, right? So in 2008, when the silver started going up, they dismantled all that silver and put that into the market to satiate the demand. Now they don't have all those stockpiles of silver to satiate demand anymore. And that, that silver wasn't on the books. Well, it was on the books, but they didn't return it to the books. They put it into the market. So they, they, they lied on so many thousands of tons of silver that they, the government lied about putting back into the market, not back into the strategic stockpile. Do you know when that was used up, or is it? Uh, it, was, it was after 2008 crash, so it was like 2011 time frame. Wow. Because I heard that there's like 7 million ounces of silver that's available to purchase. Yeah, this was this was back then. This was back then they yeah. had to put that into the market. Was, so at a point, you know, that I don't know what the deficit would be, but that stockpile goes away. Yeah. Wow. Especially every time you blow it up with a cruise missile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Wow really helps put things in perspective, especially when you consider, I mean, the state that I'm podcasting from is making a whole green push, trying to mimic California's nonsense with the 2035, uh, you know, cars uh, only being green or electric. And yeah, it's, it's, it's obviously something people are concerned with. And, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people are starting to recognize crypto is uh, is not what it's been cracked up to be. But let's get into some of the the shadier aspects, Paul. I mean, what else kind of tipped you off to to this all being a scam? I mean, or or can you elaborate on on like what exactly kind of you know awakened you to the fact that all of this was uh, a hustle? Cause you said you started listening to Sam only uh, a year or so ago, right? Not even. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So, so uh, I've done, I, I kind of went to the bottom of like politics, science and logic and it all breaks at the bottom. So it was kind of really easy to grasp everything else. Um, but uh, you know, someone uh, I really looked up to, um, in the space, I thought they were really, they had the inside track because they were military intelligence. So I, and this was a very, you know, uh, a notable person. And uh, after a while, something clicked in my head. I was like, he's military intelligence. He's like 
pushing a lot of the, the scene. So, um, you know, maybe it's nothing, but you know, that was the first thing that made, gave me pause. Um, and, uh, you know, hearing people, uh, actually Whitney Webb actually, uh, is it this week put out a really good podcast that may be perfect timing for this. Uh, but it's, uh, seeing how, you know, Sam Bang Freed was able to basically get away with a slap on the wrist and seeing how they're connected through politics and, you know, it's all just a game and there's, there's a few people who might make it actually on accident, but everything else is planned before it even starts. You know, all, all the millions and billions of dollars was going to go to a place. Uh, uh, so let me back up a second. So um, when a token was launched, there'd be these people who'd buy the presale and, you know, invite only usually, and they would usually sell it for a huge profit. And everyone else, you know, who's hearing about the hottest new coin buys into it. You know, there's a million meme coins out there. Uh, Rob, I don't even, you know what meme coins are more than Doge, right? Dude, there used to be one called Feather Coin in like 2012. Okay. So yeah. It's still around. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it's basically because the volume is so low, um, you know, everyone just puts in a few bucks and just tries to get rich real quick. Um and it's it's kind of a cancer on the community overall, uh, but it's it's sort of uh, it's something that even though I don't give into it anymore, I still see things about meme coins. So I think it's pushed too much by the algorithm, you know, and to get you hooked on it to really throw away your money because I've thrown away money on it. Everyone has uh, who's played with it at all because everyone wants to get rich quick ones. Um, so yeah, I, uh, just putting it all together and, you know, knowing that, uh, we broke the, you know, the cryptography from the Germans, um, in the thirties and every technology we have, I know now was the, the government's had for decades and they've mastered. So I just can't believe any of it's true. How about this though? You buy a phone, it's already compromised from the manufacturer with tracking information, and you put your fucking seed words in there, they got them. <laughs> yeah. Even your computer, same fucking thing, right? Unless you're building the thing, but even the chips are compromised. Yeah, uh, people's ledgers, it's it's like a thumb drive people think is secure. Yeah. They've been hacked. Yeah, I haven't checked mine in years. I mean, how many updates have I missed? <laughs> well, and, and that's why I've always had a kind of sense of fuck it when it comes to, like, researching things. Like, I've had people say, like, oh, well, why would you look that up? Like, don't you know people are, like, watching your, you know, like, you could, people could track that if you go to certain websites. And I'm like, well, yeah, but they're looking... I don't, I don't give a fuck. I'm a fucking crazy person who keeps it together and I'm productive in society. So if I like to look at stupid fucking things on the internet, my FBI agent must be having a fucking good laugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that's, I mean, that's the reality where we're in going back to the whole data, human trafficking. I mean, yeah, it's your private information being traded. It's your, um, 
you know, my thoughts. personal data being exploited in, especially in, you know, certain situations that you might be faced with. I mean, it's dangerous stuff, right? So, uh, having your, your money in a safe place is, is an appealing thing. And I mean, m my major takeaway so far is the safest thing still is uh, the good old fashioned vault in uh, a safe place that only you know about. Pretty much. Yeah, there's nothing the NSA can't hack. Uh, is as secure as that you can make any blockchain. They have computers that are faster that can already crack it. You know, there there's some statistics that says, you know, certain blockchains would take like 250 million years or some crazy amount of time. And that's laughable. You know, I'm sure they can crack it in moments whenever they want to. I mean, Signal, which is supposed to be unhackable, um, Tucker Carlson just said the NSA hacked his signal, knew he was going to see Putin. Hmm. It's the chips. It's the chip inside the device. It, it, it betrays the device. There is no security. Whatever, who's ever making the chip is, is corrupting the chip. You can take the fucking battery out of your phone. They can still listen to you. It's the crystals in the chip. Yeah, it's the silicon network that mm. everything's a part of. I mean that those are that's where so many major breakthroughs have uh have affected military technology and yeah, all this stuff is just derivatives of what they've already had in the military. So of course they know how to um, you know, uh what's it called? subvert it uh, or or use backdoors. There's a more explicit term, but yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely paranoid stuff, but it's the kind of thing that we need to be aware of. I mean, do you think that the Faraday fabric, I mean, Faraday fabric has silver in it. Uh, if you put your phone inside of that, I, I would imagine that would be probably the what most people would assume taking your battery out of your phone would do because... Um, you're creating essentially a, a, a shield from any electronic signal to interfere with it. I suppose it depends on the, the maybe the old 4Gs, maybe the 5Gs are different. Right. Maybe the weave's not tight enough. I, I don't know. But that would I, imply I, that enough. you would need to keep your phone in that area, <laughs> you know. Forever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. There's definitely downside. Smash it with a rock and just forget about it. If you, you know what I mean, like if you don't want to be your thoughts read, get rid of your phone. <laughs> don't go on the internet. Don't look shit up. Well, and that's the spooky reality of this. Is like you know these silicon chips and you know it's all it's it's not that far away from telekinesis, you know. And I think we've just externalized and, and made technology out of things that were once considered superstition, you know, things like telekinesis. I mean, we're, we're essentially doing that right now in some sort of way. Extension, yeah. So, it's like I mean, you're using, you're doing it, but you're using this as a tool. Yeah. I mean, you put enough data together and you're able to do that more or less anyways. You know, I, I'm sure everyone's had a moment where your uh, the Alexa turns on when you just say a word and you didn't say, you know, hey, Alexa. You know, so there are so many platforms and data aggregators. And, you know, if you're using a product for free, you're the product. 
And that product has scraped every bit of data and matched it with other, you know, data points to make exactly who you are at the moment. That's why you get the exact right ads almost every time. Wow. Well, yeah, and I think that that's something that you, know, you really can't avoid if you're going to be engaging with the, the technology, you know. It's only going to last so long before it uh, MK ultras it all us all. You know, I think that's really what's what's at the end of this is uh, controlling people's minds and and predicting behavior. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm a hundred percent. And uh, you know, just to go back to a point, uh, and I forgot to mention, um, you know, you know, it's bad when Larry Fink is trying to push tokenizing everything. So oh, I got to, Oh, sorry. I'm go ahead. Oh, uh, you know, uh, so as, as far as, uh, I'm sorry, Rob, uh, sorry. As far as, uh, where this is going, you know, this is exactly where they wanted it to go from the beginning. Um, every movement. And I was, uh, you know, when I was younger, I was, uh, part of the tea party and I ran a blog and I had a bunch of writers and, uh, just by, you know, one of the things I did is, uh, you know, I had a progressive versus tea party, uh, you know, opinion piece, uh, did a lot of cool stuff and just basically seeing how that movement started, you know, as a sort of a pure thing, it was just looking back, I can see how it was handled from start to finish. And I, being able to see that, you know, you can see the end game with crypto almost where the end game's going. I had a thought in a couple of times, and I don't know if I ever expressed it properly. You know, Klaus Schwab's like, oh, you'll own nothing and be happy. I was thinking, you know, all these rich motherfuckers, they got all this art, but they keep that they're they got all this art and they're rich, but they don't have any liquidity. Right. So say they put all this shit into a trust, like that other art company that sells paintings and you could buy a little piece of it. Mm-hmm. But these private families put these fucking pieces, like Fabergé eggs and whatnot. Like, well, you can't just break the egg and take a piece of the shell, but you can digitally divide out the value of it by eight points on a fucking token, right? And then you get every fucking jerk off to go out there and buy it. Oh, I got a piece of this Fabergé egg, and they use it to fund their retirement funds thinking they could sell it down the line later like an NFT. Wow. And they're going to use it for them. And then they'll keep custodianship within the trust, you know, maybe 55%. So nobody can ever claim enough to take possession of it. Hmm. So they'll never own it because they don't own it anyways. Then they'll get all this fresh liquidity so they can go out and buy all this new shit with our money. So they won't own anything but they'll still be fucking happy because they'll still be living off of our fucking our buying into their bullshit. I, I could see that happening. That's a brilliant because people want to have that piece of luxury. Evil genius, right? It is evil genius. <laughs> well, uh, I have a friend who uh, I met uh, who was uh, starting to tokenize uh, mortgages. You know, and, and uh, yeah. Same thing. Wow. Same thing. Same thing. Yeah, Same everything's thing. Gonna, Right. And, yeah, everything's going to be tokenized, so you won't really own it, but you'll own it, and uh, you'll be happy. Right. Right? 
but we will we'll still own nothing and we'll be we'll be paying for their shit and their lifestyle thinking that we own a fucking piece of a Fabergé egg on a digital in a fucking tea. Well, they're laughing all the way to fucking Monaco while they're fucking a kid in their canoe. I've never. So I've, I've, no, <laughs> no, but that, that, that makes total sense because, like, as they're not able to like print more money out of thin air, well, they can just still take the same money from the poor people. You think they're investing in something that they'll never touch? Exactly. Yeah. No, it just totally makes sense with like psychology because, you know, uh, a a fake uh, Louis Vuitton bag, you know, you'll buy that sometimes just to have the look. You know, if you can show on your phone that you own a piece of, uh, you know, the Fabergé egg, you know, that's the next, you know, the next generation. Yeah. It's the slow boil. Like if you're 40, 50 and above, like you'll never get into that. But the next. Yeah, I'm Sorry. 40. I'm 40, so I put myself there. But, uh, you, you know, like the, you know, I've got kids. Uh, my youngest daughter or my oldest daughter is 13. I could see them in 10 years living that life. Yeah. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, let's take a quick break to thank our sponsors, The Hit Kit, the number one way to get lit. If you know me, you know I like to smoke weed, I do it during the interviews. I think it it helps prove uh, the stereotype about stoners wrong. Some people might listen to the show and they think, oh, this guy talks too slow or he's stupid. Well, blame it on the weed then. Maybe I'd do better without it. But I think it sharpens me and keeps me in flow. Maybe I'm just delusional. Who cares? I enjoy it. It's a part of my life and uh, I'm young so I can afford to do that. But... It's not forever, and while I'm out here rolling and strolling, I always make sure I have my hit kit with me. The number one way to stay lit, whatever you're rolling up, whether it's a joint, a blunt, a spliff, keep it safe and sound in your hit kit. There's tons of different varieties, options to choose from. You can even get your own custom design on your hit kit. And our other sponsor... Uh, Isaac Lazell with the Oregonite from Oregon, Oregonite. Uh, they're working together on some uh, hit kit Oregonite collabs, so that's pretty cool. Uh, I'm excited to see that. But the hit kit's great. Use the promo code CRAZY at checkout. And while you're at it, check out MindMenMushrooms.com. MindMenMushrooms is a really, really interesting company out of Oregon as well, I believe. Uh, but go and check out their full selection. Use that promo code CRAZY and mend your mind with the mushrooms, baby. They also have merch as well. Uh, 15% off at checkout. Use the promo code CRAZY and uh, 10% off if you use the promo code MFTIC for the Oregonite, the Oregon Organite from my man Isaac Lazell. All the links are in the description. Uh, go to mindmenmushrooms.com. And folks, we'll be right back after this quick break from our sponsors. Brought to you by the Dynamic Ads. And then we'll be right back to this great conversation with Paul B. and Rob B. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. 
we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. To own a piece of the Mona Lisa and never actually touch it. Yeah. Well, so like Snapchat has uh, snaps streaks. And, you know, kids are all about it. And it's literally meaningless, but they hold it as a value. I mean, it, it would be so easy to rob, oh, you know, one unit, one monetary unit for this piece of anything. You know, given uh, you can show a picture of everyone, you know, what you own, mm-hmm. it would be the new rich. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Well, and they've, they've walked this stuff out through video games. I mean, kids already take their parents' credit cards to spend, you know, hundreds of dollars to convert, you know, actual money into this, like, gaming, you know, money or skins or whatever else they've commodified in, in video games. And a lot of it is just, it doesn't add anything to the gameplay. It's just uh, for appearance, you know, it's just sort of su- superficial kind of thing. So, Yeah. Uh, I think the one that uh, will be a behemoth in the future is called Roblox. Right. Um, you buy diamonds and Robux and, you know, all these things. And if you're under like 15, you spent a decent amount of time on it. And it's a total interactive world that you can build upon. And these are the kinds of things that it's a slow burn, but give it 20 years Roblox might be ready player one. Wow. Yeah. Is it like Warcraft? No, w- way different. It's like you build houses and you, know, you can build amusement. Yeah, but, but, but more. More than um, Minecraft. It's more involved, but it's still like I'm old and I don't, you know, like I'm just remembering what the kid played when he was young. But you, you can build like an amusement park and people come ride ride on your rides. You go ride on other people's rides. You play house. Like, you know, so there's like physics talking. involved and all kinds of stuff. Like a yeah. more involved Sims? Exactly. More involved Sims. Wow. Where, yeah. 3D like as well. Sims 5.0. <laughs> no, exactly. Sims was all just like kind of 2D, 3D rendering. You can only interact it with it on a two in a 2D way. But yeah, it's basically Sims in a three that you could walk around literally in your Sim City. And now okay. people are people are starting to see those headsets. Um, so that is going to be a cool uh, thing to put in. And if the older you are, I think the harder it is to get used to them. But you get a kid this at like. 10, 12 years old, and it will happen eventually. They're going to be so hooked on that their whole life that they won't want anything else. Well, yeah, we hear we hear people uh, over the past week or so since that came out saying, you know, oh, it's not as good as actual reality. And some people, you know, you see them at like a restaurant and they're moving, waving their hands around in the air, wearing it while they're eating dinner. I mean, it definitely is still in the cartoonish <laughs> expression of. But yeah, I mean, I could see how if they made it as slim as like a pair of regular eyeglasses you know and not like a whole like 
um, you know, airplane headcraft, you know, like, what do you call it? Airplane goggles or something. I mean, it's really still at a kind of a ridiculous level, but, uh, I guess. Well, I, I think, I think where like your perspective you're missing is, so I've got an 11 to 13 year old. They were locked up for two years, mm. you know, um, we, the, my daughter couldn't have a sleepover for years. This is before that because the parents just don't do it. They're more helicopter parents. So you have these kids who are being a lot more sheltered. They've been growing on technology. So, you know, you're under 20 years old. You're going to have a completely different perspective because you didn't get to live the life of, you know, going out, getting muddy in the creeks and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird world. I, I think, you know, it's easy to, forget that there are still people living that life i mean uh, rural rural communities aren't you know plugging into the matrix as fast as people in like you know suburbs of new jersey and new york and california right like i mean that's where the 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 front line of this stuff is is in the the suburbs and the affluent communities but uh you know it's a long ways away from being global but i mean is this depopulation? I mean, Juan and I were having a conversation earlier about the, the chemicals turning the frogs gay, and obviously there are depopulation implications with all of that, but um, getting people to sort of stop interfacing with the biological world is, it's like, you know, it's interfering with uh, with the natural cycle, right, of the of the human species to put it in those terms. Yeah. Everyone's being isolated uh, completely where your everyone is a specific type of person, you know, your uh, who you want to sleep with your gender, you know, so you really make yourself a person that has no community and, you know, there's no sense of community, like no community centers, churches, things like that. So you identify as something very specific that there's maybe one other person in your town that can understand you. So you just become isolated and uh, there isn't, you know, that's not everyone, but the groups of friends are smaller and the isolation, you can just see it because parents sometimes would rather have their kids at home than uh, out and about. Yeah. Yeah, that's the that's the fear psyop. I mean, I grew up in a in a town where I mean, even still I, in the summer I see kids, you know, cruising around uh between the, the teenage years like having some sort of autonomy. But yeah, it's definitely not what it was when my friends and I were growing up and we could, you know, walk around and you know, interact with kids older than us, younger than us. I mean, it was a different, different way to, to learn how to socialize than, than people are learning now. And yeah, I mean, we don't need to get into the darker aspects of, uh, who's praying on the internet, but I don't think it's, uh, it's great that kids are, are being confronted with all of the, the things that are available on the internet in such a, I don't know, in such a sort of streamlined way, obviously it's down to the parents to, to, uh, you know, mitigate that kind of stuff. But with my parents and my generation, like our parents 
my parents had no concept really uh, of what was lurking on the internet you know i mean they may might have but they definitely didn't like sit me down and say oh well don't go to this website or anything so for me it was like you know the fountain of forbidden fruits uh, whatever i could search i could find i was typing in boobs at eight you know so finding all that kind of stuff and i could see how it desensitized me and and my generation um obviously there's comparisons there with your your respective generations gentlemen but uh yeah it's definitely uh, a wave that uh is coming from the top down and whether that's depopulation or not i don't know control i mean it, it only circles back to what we initially started talking about because uh i mean relationships are the backbone of a society and if all of our economic relationships are being filtered through this uh central bank then uh, i mean it's it's only only natural that they're going to be using it against us that's what history has shown us yeah it's a weapon right i mean they use they use the dollar as a weapon against other countries that's what a sanction is it's an act of war Every time you say that you can't do this and no one else can do business with you and you can't get these supplies to your citizens that need them, you're, you're, you're creating an act of war upon those people. Like it or not, you know, that's what you're doing. Sink. Go ahead. Sorry. No, you're fine. And really, that's, that's what cryptocurrency is going to be turned into. It's going to be turned into uh, the next thing to hold you hostage uh, for literally anything. Because everything's going to be so trackable. And uh, the central bank might go away in name, but it'll be reformed under a different entity, just like it always is. Yeah, they'll do it through the Treasury Department and say it's legitimate because it's through the government and it's by the people. Well, uh, FDIC <laughs> law, uh, it's in the law, but it's not being enforced that you have to have a certain percentage of all your currencies and uh, dollar tokens uh, to be FDIC insured. So they've already, they, they have the mechanism in place. They just probably don't have the infrastructure. And, you know, by X date, they have to have it all done to be FDIC compliant, I'm sure. Yeah, but I mean, that doesn't even matter. They could, they could eliminate the FDIC. They can eliminate the Fed. They can run it through the Treasury and use the same mechanisms and say it's more legitimate because the government's doing it, not some, some uh, private banker. We're more honest. We were handicapped and held hostage by these banks. Now we can do it ourselves, and we'll be more honest with it. Well, the FDIC is all bullshit anyways. Yeah. They don't have, like, a pool of money if yours goes away. They just pull it from a fund and make it appear. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, they can pay. Listen, Andrew Jackson paid off the debt in 1832, right, or 36 or whatever. And we had no national debt. And then we had no we had no national bank, and the country survived. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then then they didn't like it, so they had the Civil War, so they could bring back the central bank. That's what the, that's what the Civil War was about. It wasn't about slavery. It was about banks and controlling the money supply. That's how you control people. Well, well and that's and what, I, that's I, what I think people did. Lincoln even said that, uh, oh God, I, something like he would end the, it, he would end the, his War only goal was to end the war. 
He didn't care about the slavery aspect. Correct. He was a monster. He enslaved the nation with, with the bank and then got killed. Well, and all of these wars are about banks. I mean, honestly, at least since the Civil War and probably before that, too. I mean, War of 1812, the Revolutionary War, they all have this undertone. Yeah, uh, the Revolutionary War is just the HSBC becoming a, a, its own sovereign entity in America. It just was a hostile takeover of the Hudson Bay Com- Company or the East Virginia Company or whatever the fuck they were. East India Company. Right. You know, they just took over those companies and just put it under their own doctrine. They didn't free us. Well, they and- capitalized the word we. That means a specific group. It's a pronoun. It's a proper fucking noun. Those guys are smart enough to not put a capital letter in the middle of a sentence in a word. If it was lowercase, uh-huh. it would be everybody. If it was uppercase, it's a specific group of people that's uppercase. In their posterity, that's uppercase. <laughs> the people who signed the fucking thing. Not you. <laughs> fucking, there's laws to English, dude. Well, and, and I wonder if making moves to get all of this on the blockchain t- and digitize would maybe allow for more transparency where a lot of this stuff that I know, Rob, you're really... Uh, you know, well versed in when it comes to like the the actual, you know, legal definitions of things and how they use, you know, this sort of subtext to say one thing and and you know mean another. Um, yeah, hate the truth. Yeah, do you think that moving all this stuff to a blockchain, like they say, would actually make for more transparency if it was kind of like a top-down? It, it potentially could be. It depends who writes the program and how it's put together. Right. That's really what it boils down to. And the other thing is, too, everybody's got to agree. You can't delegate other people's rights away for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, how, how can you say that... No, no, we're going to give away these rights. I didn't fucking agree to that. Who the fuck are you? You can't delegate my rights away. First of all, I don't vote because <laughs> I don't believe in you. So how can you tell me that I can't do something that God inherently gave me the right to do? Because I can fucking do it. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think, though, if, uh, you know, as far as transparency goes, things can be hidden on the blockchain. And that's the whole problem because it all depends on who writes, like uh, Rob said, who writes the contract. If it's anything done by a government entity, you know, there's going to be a backdoor trapdoor or something that they can do whatever they want while maintaining the appearance of transparency. And that's the biggest problem of all because certain people will actually have to audit contracts and make sure it's good. Well, if you're the government and you ask someone to audit your contract because it's going to pass before you know it, it's going to pass the flying colors. So the whole problem is, is you have to get people who want to get into the code, who have access to all this code uh, to be honest, to act for there to be actual transparency. hundred percent. So that's why you can't trust any of it. No. <laughs> yeah. You can't even trust the words they wrote 250 years ago. Well, the words were honest. You just, uh, what they mean, I think, is uh, we misinterpret. Right. 
No, like when you said we, like 100%, that, that actually makes a lot of sense. Why would you capitalize that word in the middle of a fucking sentence? Those men are smart. Now I want to like look at some old documents and look at this. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, the whole changing from the, you know, the English bank to the American bank is just an orchestrated plan anyway. So they had to make it look good. Right. Mm. But I, I'm going to say one thing before. I'm not saying don't have a little bit of Bitcoin. You know, I, I, I would suggest everybody has a little piece. Don't get caught with your pants down. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I have a little bit out there still. I haven't completely liquidated. Um, I'm actually just doing things where hopefully in the next six to 12 months, I'll be able to sort of take myself off grid in a real way. Oh, I, I, I commend that wholly. I'm just saying everybody should have a little, even if it's in a nano ledger or a trezor, just even if it's a hundred dollars worth. Well, and really, if you want to get free Bitcoin, and this is, uh, there's two services that will do it. Um, there's like, you know, everyone's heard of like Ebates or Rakuten where you get a percent back if you use them. Um, there's one called Lolly. That's the exact same where like you just go on Lolly, you can buy like, you know, Nike or whatever, and you get a percent back in Bitcoin. And uh, there's another app called Fold where uh, you will buy like Starbucks or Domino's or whatever gift cards and you get a percent back in Bitcoin. And with each of those, you get free Satoshi every day. There's like 10 places uh, and Satoshi is uh, like a micro Bitcoin. Um, And uh, you can get free amounts every day by using, you know, those two things. And with some of your shopping, you can get Bitcoin back. And there's really no catch. That's actually better than getting a couple nickels back in your change in your pocket. Well, and and on that note, you know, for the sake of people listening to this podcast, uh, Sphinx is a program that I connected this podcast to. We have a Sphinx node. And if people listen to the podcast through the Sphinx app, they send uh, however many Satoshis they choose per whatever um, measurement of time they choose. So if they, if the podcast is two hours and they set it to this many Satoshis per minute, you get, you know, that many Satoshis for however many minutes they listen to your podcast. So it's a really interesting uh, way for me as a podcaster to accumulate crypto. I, uh, I still have to figure some things out. I don't know if mine's totally, connected to a place that i could actually access the bitcoin maybe i just haven't downloaded the right uh, app but that's something i could figure out uh, another time but yeah it's it's interesting because you say there's no catch and i'm assuming that's just because of the whole um is it the node network and the fact that the more people using it, the more value there is. So that's where the kind of value comes back to you is the fact that you're, you're interfacing with the program. Uh, it's a business relationship that they made. I don't know. Okay. It, it has nothing to do with the blockchain. Okay. It's just, uh, yeah. Business so the, relationship. it's like the companies have staked some sort of money, have people use this and you get money from them. Yeah, something like that. And there's another one, uh, actually. It's, it's called purse.io. Uh, 
And uh, it actually connects to Amazon's catalog and you can use Bitcoin. So um, depending on what you think it might do, uh, you can ship over your Bitcoin and you save, I think, up to 20 or 30 percent on Amazon by using Bitcoin. Well, look at that. I think that's a good idea for folks who want to buy, uh, I don't know, controversial books or, you know, maybe topics that you don't want reflected in your, your bank account. I don't know if that's even possible, but I've had that thought from time to time with some of my book purchases on Amazon. Like, geez, what, what kind of lists do they have on me, you know, considering or what kind of lists do they have me on considering what books I've bought, uh, you know, everything from magic to secret societies to you know war and all kinds of crazy stuff so i mean who knows but uh yeah that's why i like to frequent use bookstores but it's interesting maybe i can check out purse.io and uh use that for future amazon purchases well and that's just what's really cool is you don't have to speculate in bitcoin to use it you can go to an exchange buy bitcoin bounce it over to purse and then purchase that day, you know, within 10 minutes usually or something like that. Right. All right on. So as we start to wrap up here, I mean, the, my major takeaway is, you know, Rob's telling us, you know, don't get caught with your pants down, have some money in Bitcoin uh, for what seems like an inevitable global currency shift right you don't want to be completely left in the dark and it'll probably afford you some uh some freedom if you have some now and then you won't have to jump through their hoops to get some right i think that's kind of your point there rob uh yeah and uh but at the end of the day you know especially for folks like yourself paul who are who are making moves to go off the grid which i also commend and I hope to sort of follow that path someday myself. Obviously, that's not possible now with a podcast, but uh, but yeah, one day possibly. I, I definitely am am thinking if that's the path you're taking, then gold, silver, and other uh, tangible physical resources are are what you want to be stockpiling more than more than anything else. I mean, at the end of the day, those carry value into uh infinity i mean they've been historically valued throughout human history so i mean unless we all get collectively lobotomized i think it'll be (laughs) valuable in the future well i do think it I, i do think it's good for everyone to own crypto because i am gonna be in a unique position to be able to do this soon um where it's going to be very hard not to be in that system. And if you're caught with no crypto in it, you're going to be in a very bad spot. And, and I just want to stress self custody as much as you can, because what's going to happen is when like JP Morgan, let's just say, you know, shit hits the fan and they get liquidated. The price of Bitcoin will go to very little, very fast. And everyone's going to get crushed, but then it's going to like bounce right back up. Um, you know, uh, so it will be good to own it at a point. Um, if there's a huge crash, that's, you know, 8,000, 10,000, that will be the last moment in history, probably to buy it at a good price before you're like hundred thousand million, 
Um, and it will just go exponentially quicker as uh, inflation or something with the dollar happens. My number one and two things, and they can be in either order, is would get some skills, like literal skills, like learn how to do something and have a good set of friends that have skills. Because those things are more valuable than anything else. You know, have a friend that hunts, you know, learn. Like I have friends that have farms and they teach me how to kill their their chickens and their turkeys and gut them. And you know what I mean? Like just those little things are invaluable. They're more important than money. Yeah. No, overall, I think that's the, that's the best message anyone can take from this episode and, and really any episode of my podcast, you know, it's what I try to demonstrate with the people I talk to, you know, there's a certain skill in, in writing a book and, and presenting this information but uh i mean those practical skills that you see how popular even online the, that kind of content is and it just shows how intuitively you know connected we are as humans to that uh to that way of life and uh, yeah i think you know as far as skills go i'm grateful to know you rob because you've taught me some important skills in the time i've known you and paul i'm uh, very grateful to know you as well uh especially considering uh you joined us for this podcast and you support the patreon i really appreciate it brother so i gotta ask you though paul because you know uh it sounds like initially when you started when it, with what the fuck is bitcoin or wtf is bitcoin uh you maybe had a different position than you do now. Would you say that is there going to be like a new, a revision coming out for, for this book? Are you going to come out with a new book? Like what are your thoughts on, on your first book as far as you think now? Honestly, it was more of a passion project. Um, I don't have much desire to do a follow-up. Um, I'm actually <clears throat> launching a, I have a cannabis company. And I'm launching a new product fairly soon. So um, I sort of have my niche in there and I'm going to do that well and uh, sort of ride off into the sunset in a sense. Uh, So I never thought about doing a book. Um, So really, I was so screwed during COVID. I I needed something to do. And I, I had been to the bottom of everything that you could imagine from quantum physics to you know, medicine and everything in between. And uh, Bitcoin was just the next thing. I was like, let's look into this. So I went pretty much balls deep. Right on. Right on. Well, cool, Paul. I'm excited to see what happens next with the cannabis company. I'm a big fan of all things cannabis. Uh, and yeah, man, I really appreciate you joining rob and i have been meaning to get rob on the show at some point to talk about this because i know he's known he, he's well versed as you can tell and uh mm-hmm. yeah I, I definitely feel like we we got more out of you with rob here than if i was here by myself with you just because i'm so financially retarded as most people in their 20s are i think it's just part of growing up but uh yeah so anyways well- and really just the, the reason I did this book is because I I've done a lot of sales 
And what I've become good at, like with cannabis is breaking it down very simple. And that's kind of what I wanted to do with the book. So it wasn't like crypto was my passion that much. I just really know how to make things very simple for people. And uh, it was a lot of fun. So thank you for having me on. I really do appreciate it. Well, cool, man. Do you have any uh, any website or, or social media that you'd like to turn people to uh, or anything you want to promote before we wrap up? Uh, I mean... So my, uh, it's a, it's a CBD topical. It's called CB dermal. Um, it's not actually live yet. It should, depending on when this comes out, the website might be live. Uh, but, uh, it is a, uh, I use a transdermal cream, which is uh, normally used with like hormones. Uh, so my buddy owns a pharmacy and I'm the only person who is able to do this. And, uh, the CBD I have, uh, goes deeper than anything physically can it helps with well things uh, i don't know what i can really say here no I, I as get, far as that goes uh, I get it. it brings it, it it's a it brings deeper relief and penetration than anything that exists um so i'm actually really excited to do that uh and it's uh given me some options to uh you know take my family and put them in a position i'd rather have them in Beautiful. Cool. Good for you, man. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Rob and I are are big uh, advocates of of the responsible use of cannabis. And uh, yeah, I think I I did win our uh, our local papers top three the past two years, and I never used a pot leaf once in marketing. Right on. (laughs) So I I basically kind of like with Bitcoin, I did the same thing with cannabis. And it's really easy to understand. Cool. So, yeah. Right on. Thanks, man. Well, with that, folks, thanks for tuning in. We'll link Paul's website in the description. If it's not live yet, check back in a few weeks. (laughs) But until next time, immerse yourself in the moment, wherever you are in the now. conversation with paul bruno and my friend rob rob is a good dude rob and i work together he's helped me uh, make some money by working with him in his line of work he does all sorts of masonry stuff with tiles and stone and all that cool stuff Uh, very hands-on work very uh, rewarding but also uh, a dirty, dirty job in many ways, but I think it's cool and I'm grateful to have learned from Rob, not just uh, a skill that I can keep with me uh, for a while for my life, but also Rob, as you might have deduced from today's conversation, he's got a really good head on his shoulders. He actually, uh, we became friends through this podcast, so uh, no surprise, we're all vibing on the same tribe and paul as well is on the patreon rob also supports on the patreon but uh yeah we're all just vibing we're here and paul and rob joined me for a patreon meetup get together and that's when this show came together paul was like hey I wrote a book if you want to talk about it and i was like yeah we haven't really done many episodes on cryptocurrency so why not 
So if you want to hear that original conversation, go over to the Patreon uh, and the Substack where we have all of our bonus content, and it's a growing community. Join Rob, join Paul. There's a Telegram where you can talk. Rob's very vocal in the chat, so if you want to even comment on some of the things that he said in this conversation, join our Telegram. The Telegram is linked in the description, and people chat there every day. It's awesome to see. I'm in there. I post stuff about when new episodes come out, when things go out to the Patreon or the Substack. You really got to support the show to get the most out of it, and it helps me continue to do what I do at the rate that I do it. We're going to be putting out three episodes a week moving forward. I think I can pull it off, and uh, some of these episodes are going to be three hours long. And if you're on the free side, you're only going to get an hour and a half of those three-hour episodes. I'm going to be cutting the episodes in half if the interview's shorter than two hours, then most likely you'll get the whole thing. Those episodes, I think, are going to come out on Fridays. Um, but yeah, from now on, I'm going to try to put out two three-hour episodes, two to three-hour episodes on Mondays and Wednesdays, and then a shorter episode on Fridays. And we also do a show, Juan and I, on our Patreon where we talk about alchemy and science and conspiracies and the occult and where they all mix and match and meet. So we're also looking for Falconelli. <clears throat> Excuse me. So there's the pitch. You also get uh, the show without ads. You don't have to listen to this either. Uh, the outro is completely different for the supporters, so you don't even hear me talking about this. Uh, I actually read... From the Spotify comments, so if you have any answers to the questions that Spotify asks about the episodes, they say something like, "How? what do you think of this episode? If you want to answer that and hear your response, sign up on the Patreon or the Substack, and I answer those typically at least once a week in one of the outros. I also talk about things here and there, get a little more candid with what I thought uh, about the guest, uh, sometimes I do that on the free side of things, but I generally don't like to do that um, in the episode itself because I know that the guest is going to listen back to it. Uh, I just don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or start a war with anybody. Uh, you know how it could be online. Things get misconstrued. I got to say, you know, as much as I like Sean, I think he's an interesting character. Uh, he's very extreme, Mr. Hibbler. Uh, so yeah, take that interview with a grain of salt. That's all I'll say. I've done some extreme interviews lately, and I think that's a cool thing to do every now and then, but don't get dismayed if you're thinking, oh no, Mark, he's, he's becoming some kind of radical. I can't agree with him anymore. Listen, this show's not about you agreeing with me. It's about us having conversations with interesting people. So if you want more of that, you'll get more for just $5 a month on the Patreon, you can sign up for $8 a month on the Patreon or the Substack. And if you do it on the Patreon, I'll automatically sign you up to the Substack. But if reading is your thing, you might prefer my Substack. And some people just prefer Substack over Patreon. So that's why I put the audio episodes there as well. So, uh, yeah. Thank you, folks, for tuning in. Uh, be careful with your cryptocurrency. Definitely put some money in it, but uh, yeah, I would be careful with it. Uh, especially all these, uh, all well, 
it's old news at this point. I mean, people have heard the stories about people losing money with Ethereum and Celsius and all the other stuff. So, uh, yeah, it should be pretty obvious at this point. But I thought this conversation was interesting regardless, and I am kind of dumb when it comes to all that stuff. So, uh, you know, I barely have uh, my stuff together, <laughs> to say it mildly, um, when it comes to finances. I pay my rent. I'm blessed to do that with this podcast. I pay my bills. I'm blessed to do this with this podcast. Uh, but as far as investing goes, I still have a lot to learn. So uh, maybe we'll take that journey together. If you guys want to see me do more with my dollar and make smarter choices, well, hey, support on Patreon or Substack so I can have more money to work with. And and I think, you know, the more more money I make with this podcast, the more I'll be able to do as far as uh, fulfill this mission that I have inside of me to help the world in whatever form that, that comes. At this point in my life, it happens to be in the form of this podcast. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and more to come. So immerse yourself in the moment, wherever you are in the now. Wait, I'm peeking through the curtain. 
themselves out of service Can't reach me on the circuit uh, I'm peeking through the curtain Nothing is for certain But I feel it like a purpose Wait I'm peeking through the curtain Hardly feeling like a person But the vibes are perfect uh, I'm peeking through the curtain Nothing is for certain But I feel it like a purpose Wait I'm peeking through the curtain Cells out of service Can't reach me on the circuit Certain, but I feel it like a purpose. Wait, I'm peeking through the curtain. Hardly feeling like a person, but the vibes are perfect. Uh, I'm peeking through the curtain. Nothing is for certain, but I feel it like a purpose. Wait. Wait.